am so excited this morning to get the opportunity to share the word on this Palm Sunday. You know, we have Easter coming up next week. And so today we're actually entering into a time that's known as Holy Week. Holy Week. And, and the Sunday before Easter is often referred to as Palm Sunday. And, and we call it this because this is the day in history where Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And, and we call it, um, Palm Sunday because the people waved, um, palm branches and they cheered as he entered the city. And so I want to talk a little bit about, um, the story, um, of Jesus' triumphal entry and, and some of the things that happened the week leading up to Easter. And so we're going to start, um, take a look at some scripture in Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to read quite a bit of scripture uh, today. So just bear with me. If you want to look it up and read along, that would be fantastic. So Matthew 21, and then we're going to start with verse one and read all the way to verse 11. Here we go. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage, on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Wow, what a day that must have been, right? I mean, can you imagine it? I mean, the last three years of Jesus's ministry, all the teachings, all the miracles, everything was just culminating into this grand entrance into Jerusalem. You know, people were finally starting to believe and to see Jesus, not just as a prophet or or a healer or a teacher, but they were starting to think just maybe what if he truly was the Messiah, the Savior that they had heard about for centuries. And how epic would it have been to be in the crowd that day? Can you imagine it? To be able to praise and to worship Jesus face to face. But you see, that was on Sunday. And there were a lot of things that happened throughout the week after the triumphal entry of Jesus. So now I want to take us to just a few days later in the story And I want us to look at what happened on Friday. I want you to go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start reading at verse 11 and go through 23. Now remember, what just took place on Sunday, now it's, it's just a few days later on Friday. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate. 
the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. And Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Wow. Isn't it crazy to think that maybe some of the same people who were praising Jesus and singing Hosanna on Sunday, they could have been some of the same people who were shouting crucify him on Friday? What? That's, that's crazy to me. What happened to their praise? What happened to their Hosanna? What happened to their praise? This morning, I want us to look at a few reasons that could have caused them to lose their praise. Number one this morning, maybe they didn't like what Jesus had to say. Maybe they just didn't like what Jesus had to say. You know, on Sunday, the people are praising and rejoicing, but Monday is a different story. You see, Monday, we find Jesus in the temple. And Jesus in the temple on Monday is not a very happy camper. Many of you probably know the story, but but on Monday, Jesus comes into the temple and he sees that the people are buying and trading and selling animals for sacrifice and, and they're cheating people and they're doing things for profit and they're just like defiling the temple. And this makes Jesus angry. And he starts to flip over tables, knock stuff over, cracking a whip and driving out the merchants. In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus says to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You see, on Monday, Jesus was calling people out. He was putting them on blast and he was correcting them. And and it wasn't just hurting hurting their feelings. No, it was going to hurt their business. You see, because these people, they kind of had a racket going on. And Jesus had come to shut it down. You know, not only on Monday, but over the next few days, uh, Jesus continued to teach. And can I tell you that not all of the messages that Jesus taught were easy to hear. 
Sure, people could get behind the healing of the sick and and the raising of the dead. And, And I'm sure he got lots of amens, hallelujahs, when he spoke about joy and peace. But when he began to speak about self-sacrifice and loving your enemies, well, that doesn't make for a very popular message. So maybe people lost their praise because they just didn't really like what Jesus had to say. What happened to their praise? What happened from Sunday to Friday to cause people to lose their praise? Well, number two, Maybe Jesus didn't meet their expectations. You see, the Jewish people had been hearing about a Messiah who was going to come and save them for hundreds of years. You know, they knew the prophecies and they were expecting him. The problem was they had in their own mind, their own ideas of what a Messiah should be. And how a Messiah was going to act and and how he was going to bring about salvation. You see, they expected Jesus to come in power and authority and overturn the Roman government. Oh, they expected him to, to lead armies and take back their cities with force if necessary. But instead, Jesus had no army. Just 12 scruffy guys who would run away at the first sign of trouble. And, and Jesus had no money. And, and Jesus had no earthly power. You see, the Israelites were expecting a king who would come and make Israel great again. They expected someone who would save them from the Roman oppression. But instead, they got a Christ who came to die. You see, instead, they got a Messiah who wouldn't save them from the Romans, but would save them from the law of sin and death. Maybe they lost their praise because Jesus just didn't meet their expectations. What happened to their praise? Number three, maybe their circumstances changed. Maybe their circumstances changed. You see, before Jesus came to Jerusalem, he had been on the road teaching and doing many signs and wonders. And and the news about Jesus was spreading. I mean, the stories about the miracles, the blind eyes that were open, Lazarus who was risen from the dead, and, and you know, the fact that Jesus and his disciples had fed multitudes of people with just a few small fish and, and a couple of loaves of bread. You see, Jesus was making quite a name for himself. And I would imagine that day that there were probably some people who joined that praising crowd that, that had some needs. There were probably there were some people who were anticipating that, that if they could just get close to Jesus, maybe he would heal them. Or or maybe he would touch their family member who was sick. Or maybe they were hungry and they thought, if I can just get in that crowd, Jesus will feed me. They came in with high hopes of all that Jesus would do for them that day. But, But as far as I can see, scripture doesn't make any mention of miracles taking place on that day. And maybe... When it didn't happen for them, the the miracle that they were expecting, when, when, when 
when things didn't go, their circumstances didn't go the way they thought they were going to go, they were disappointed and they lost their praise. You see, what if their praise had been dependent on a circumstance and when the circumstance changed, they lost their praise? They lost their praise. You know, I can also imagine that there might have been those who joined the crowd that day that that joined it just because it was exciting and it was the popular thing to do. I mean, maybe they had just seen all this commotion going on and, and got swept up in all this fanfare surrounding Jesus. But as the week went on and the fanfare died down. And, and as the religious leaders began to scheme and plot and against Jesus and spread rumors and lies about him, well, then maybe doubts began to creep in. You see, public opinion had started to turn, and, and all of a sudden, it wasn't the popular thing to do. And they lost their praise because their circumstance changed. What happened to their praise? What happened between Sunday and Friday? This great, huge difference between praise and crucify him. What happened to their praise? Number four, maybe they couldn't see what God was doing. Maybe they couldn't see what God was doing. You see, the people were literally watching prophecy about the Messiah unfold right before their eyes, but they didn't recognize it. They they were watching prophecy about the Messiah unfold right in front of them, and they just didn't recognize it. You see, they they had heard and read the prophecies like Zechariah 9.9, where Zechariah said, See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a colt. And they had read and heard um, the, the prophecies of Isaiah 53, 7, where, where Isaiah prophesied and said he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb into the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. They had heard the prophecies, but when the time had come, they just couldn't see it. You see, God was at work in their midst, but it wasn't the way that they thought it was going to happen. And it didn't look the way that they thought it would look. And so they just missed it. They just missed it. You know, maybe they lost their praise because they were so caught up in not liking what Jesus had to say, or or they were disappointed that Jesus wasn't what they expected, or that their circumstances weren't ideal, that they just couldn't see what God was doing. Some of the same people in the crowd that were praising and singing Hosanna four days later, now some of those same people were shouting, crucify him. What happened to their praise? What happened to their praise? You know, it could be really easy to stand here in judgment of these people, right? It would be really easy for us to crucify them and criticize them for their fickle praise. But I think if we're honest today, we can probably see ourselves 
in them. If we were to pause and ask ourselves this question, are we really that different than they are? I mean, maybe we're not saying crucify him, but, but what have we let happen to our praise? Have we lost it somewhere along the way? Maybe we lost our praise because we too didn't really like what Jesus had to say. You know, we came to Christ with excitement of this promise of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But then as we've gotten closer and we've learned more, we also see that Jesus says, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. You see, the people didn't like it very much when Jesus came in and cleared out the temple because it messed up their plans. It called them to holiness. Well, Jesus is still clearing temples today. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself You see, many times when I come to the Lord in prayer, he reveals areas in my life that need to be cleared out. There are some tables of pride and self-righteousness that need to be flipped in my life. And although I may not really enjoy the cleansing process, It's only when I allow Jesus to speak the truth that I need to hear that I can experience true freedom in my life. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you Free. You know what? We may not always like what Jesus has to say, but when we allow him to speak the truth to our hearts, we will begin to experience true freedom. And that is a reason to praise. Amen. That is a reason to praise. What happened to our praise? What, what happened to our praise? Well, maybe we lost it because Jesus didn't meet our expectations. We're really not that different from the Jews 2,000 years ago who praised Hosanna. You see, in their mind, they had an idea of who God was and how he should act. And now we still have those same ideas today. You see, we try to define God instead of letting God define us. You know, we try to tell him what he should do for us and and how he should do it. And when things don't happen the way we expect it, we get disappointed in Jesus. How dare him? I can't believe it. And we let that disappointment steal our praise. Can I tell you today that even though Jesus might not have been what the Jews expected, he was exactly what they needed. He was exactly what they needed. You see, they expected salvation from the Romans that would have lasted for a time, but Jesus gave them salvation from sin that would last for eternity. 
It's the same for you and I today. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, things might not always go the way that we expect, but we can expect for God to lead us and to guide us if we will put our trust in him instead of our own plans and our own expectations and our own understanding. And that is a reason to praise. That is a reason to praise. So so what happened to our praise this morning? Well, maybe, maybe our circumstances changed. Maybe our circumstances changed. You know, it's pretty easy to praise in this room on Sunday mornings. When you are surrounded by other people who love Jesus and they're praising with you, man, it feels good and it is easy. But what about when your circumstances change? What about on Monday morning at work or at school when you're surrounded by people who are negative or or hateful. Maybe you're even surrounded by people who persecute you or make fun of you for your faith. Sure, it's easy to praise when life is going great. I mean, when your family is healthy and your finances are strong and, and you and your husband, you're getting along so good and your kids are on the honor roll. I mean, yeah, like that is easy to praise. But what if your circumstances change? What if your mom is sick or your son is rebelling? What if your marriage is falling apart or or you just got laid off of your job? Why should we praise then? I'm reminded of the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. You see, Paul and Silas, they had been doing the work of the Lord. They were teaching and spreading the gospel. They had performed miracles and cast out demons in Jesus' name. Man, it was incredible. But because of this, they were arrested. And not only were they arrested, but they were stripped and beaten with rods and then thrown into prison. How many of you would say their circumstances had definitely changed. And not really for the better, right? And yet, in the midst of their awful circumstances, they began to praise. You see, they didn't just sit around pouting about how awful their circumstances were. No, they began to praise in the midst of them. Acts 16, verses 25 and 26, it says this. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Man, what I believe this story shows us this morning is that freedom comes when we praise. Freedom comes when we praise, and not just freedom for you, but freedom for all the people who are around you. You see, your circumstances may not be good, but here's the thing. Praise is an act of faith. Praise is an act of faith. You see, praise says, thank you, Father, 
for the answer that's coming. You see, it may not be here yet, but I'm going to praise until it comes. I'm praising in faith that it is coming. You see, we may not be able to praise God for our circumstances, but freedom comes when we praise in spite of them. And there is always a reason to praise. There's always a reason to praise. What happened to our praise, church? What what happened to our praise? Well, maybe we just can't see what God is doing. We just can't see it. You know, the Jews did not recognize the presence of God that was right in their midst. Are, are we any different than they are? I mean, I mean, sure, it's easy to recognize God in the blessings and in the victories, but do we recognize God's presence and, and his activity in our lives when it involves disappointment and suffering or, or even failure? John 5, 17, Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. You see, God is always working. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But will we have spiritual eyes to see that God is working even when we can't physically see it? Even when we don't feel it, you know, I know it's difficult at times, but, but I want to just promise you something that this morning that, that if you look for God, you're going to find him. If you look for him, you will find him. And in the end, you will find that he is far better than anything you could ever imagine. His ways are far wiser than anything you could have ever thought up for yourself. And his love is far more wonderful than anything you could have ever, ever hoped for. And that is a reason to praise. That is a reason to praise. The takeaway for the message this morning is very simple. And it's just this. There's always a reason to praise. There's always a reason to praise.